0: A new era. You're listening to This Is Ibrox, your weekly Rangers podcast. Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast. And this week we are joined by uh, usual podders, William Irwin and Tommy McIntyre. Join us on the pod this week. Hi guys, how you doing?
1: All good, mate. Very well, thank you.
0: So lots to speak about uh, this week couple of things that happened last week but I'd like to lead tonight with the, the the news that we had earlier on that Andy Halliday has managed to find a new club in the country and he's signed for Hearts this afternoon Willie, great news for Andy in the first instance because he's obviously went for a wee while with not having a club um, I think if he was to pick a club in Scotland, which I think he'd said maybe he wasn't going to do, Hearts is a, is a decent place for him to go
1: Yeah, absolutely I mean I think, I think most people that watch Scottish football would probably expect Hearts to come straight back up, you know, and if Andy's going to get the game time, he's obviously played championship football with us, so he certainly knows the level, um, Hearts look very strong now, to be honest, it might be a miracle if Hearts lose a game in that championship level with the, yeah. with the squad they've got now, but delighted for Andy, he's obviously waited for the right opportunity, um, and he obviously feels maybe... You know, he's not having to move home, there's no any relocation costs or whatever. Maybe he's settled up here with his girlfriend or whatever. So good luck to Andy. Hope he does
0: well. Tommy, it was kinda of, everyone was kinda of a wee bit not heartbroken as such, but I think there was a bit of a romance about Andy Halliday when he played the Rangers because he was fulfilling the dream that we all believed at one point in our tiny lives as we were getting older, we were going to get the chance to do. He he definitely lived the dream and he had the chance to play for Rangers. Um, it goes with all of our best wishes, it needs to. Uh, it has to be said.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the quick version of that is uh, exactly as you described, he lived the dream. He got a couple of good years out of it. I think he signed an initial two-year deal and then extended on after that. You know, ultimately he's not good enough to progress us for the forward, everybody handshakes all round, he goes with the best wishes, Hart's a really good club for him, he'll do really well in the Championship, he'll come up with them because I think they will come up straight away. Yeah, good deal all round for everybody and um, yeah, wish him the very, very best of luck, even more so because he's not in an league great right now, so we won't be playing against
0: him. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Pod, uh, this week we're going to cover the Willem-Tua game from last week. We're also going to cover whatever happened at Fir Park at the weekend and look ahead a little bit to Galatasaray, which happens a little later in the week. Before we cover any of that stuff, William, I'd like to rely on your uh, youth expertise of the B team. And in the past sort of seven days, we've moved out three guys on loan to the Championship. Why don't you give us a wee update on those guys?
1: Yeah, of course, mate. No problem. Um, first up, Lewis Bale. I think most is expected Lewis to go out and loan, especially when they obviously added Balligan, um in the window. It was probably waiting for the right opportunity for Lewis. I think he had a few, you know, sort of chances to go to other clubs, possibly even one in England. But it looks as though they've obviously chosen Northampton as his next route. Um, it looks like they're quite a good squad this year. I think we fancy making the playoffs, and that's a good thing for Lewis because if there's an expectation to get into the playoffs, then he should push them. Um, Josh mcpae that was obviously the one that I think a lot of people were looking out for after what happened at Dundee. You know, going alone to Morton, I don't know if Morton are particularly the strongest this coming season, but Josh can make a difference at that level. Yeah. It just depends where they decide to play him. You know, he could play as a nine, he could play as a ten, or he can play wide. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him, you know, if he can get the goals and assists that most people think he can at that level. Um, so I think that's a big one in terms of Josh was so highly thought of, he's he his three-year deal, one of the first to get that long term contract. Yeah. And then it's you know, it's kind of slid away a wee bit, but he's more than good enough to come back. More than good enough. And lastly, James Maxwell, I think, yeah, again for James, you know, he needed to go and loan. There's this kind of line in the sand now where i think when you get to kind of 18 you're looking to push you know to get out and loan if you're not part of the first team squad and i think yeah again that's a good loan for james it doesn't look as Queen clearly the south i've got the biggest of squads at the moment which is probably a good thing for james because it'll pretty much mean that he starts every game
0: gets a game yeah
1: which for him is brilliant you know i was i was talking to his dad a couple of days ago and He was just saying he's excited for James to get out and play in loan, And I think that's the same for a lot of players. I think we've got something like 10 players now out in loan, So the B team's going to be very young this season. You know, there's going to be a lot of maybe 17-year-olds, guys that have just turned 18. And then the under-18 team's going to be mainly 16-year-olds. So there might be a few bumps in the road this year. So if people see the B team maybe getting beat by a couple of goals or the 18s getting beat by a couple of goals, it's just that they're learning. It's going to be two young groups this year, but that's what the club want. They want two teams that are going to develop and improve over the season. They want to test these players. Um, and even for instance, I think on Tuesday they played on Fernland. So like Lewis might end up playing against the B team on Tuesday. Just like I think when Partick played against us last time out, um, I think Big Green scored a goal against us in the 2-2 draw. But for guys like Leon King, who's getting to play against first team players at sixteen, fantastic. It's great, isn't it? You know, and that's what we want. We don't want to just sit back and say, "Well, that was a great win because we do all want nineteens playing or all we're under twenties playing." That's not really achieving anything. They guys need you now, bowing, loan playing, and then like the younger players need you been playing so that they can develop into first team players.
0: So, Tommy, we we've spoke. Um at length about the sort the, of the the gap almost that appears between the the B team and the, the first team squad at Rangers. Um these loans are, are critically important on the players' development in the first instance. Um these guys really need to go out and, and set the fire alight if you want if they want to come back next season and be and be a part of um Gerard's plans. I'm thinking particularly guys like Mayo who I, I think Willie will I'll keep it right, I think he's Twenty, maybe even older than that. Yeah. Um. So, big move for these guys to try and get first team football and force his way into squad plans for next season.
2: Yeah, I mean, relatively last chance saloon. One would, um, one would say they're getting to that, you know, early twenties to mid mid twenties age group, or, you know, slightly before. By and large, if you were being critical, you would say it's been, let's say, three years of the, the Gerard Revolution, right? But the money getting into the um the back room sorry the the academy situation well before that as well it's always been a central part of the business model since regime change and all that if that's the articulation you want to use quite frankly it's not been massively successful right now i know fine well that it takes a long a relatively long time to produce players and breed your own and all that of course right nobody's saying that should happen in two seasons or maybe even three, right well you know let's be more critical than, than maybe we are sometimes which is by and large handful of players that you would see they may have made it and we've got nathan Patterson in first team squad and stuff like that but out with that nathan young coombs good good name pretty sure he was brought in from chelsea's academy uh even if you want to step that up into a really young player who's come in calvin bassey good game against Middlesbrough, brought in from leicester uh, and then you start to look at some other players that we have grown as well. But ultimately, right, let's let's be more challenging, because um, that's the kind of mood I'm in. It's not exactly been an amazing success. they have not set fire to the header. So these players need to go out and loan, because they need to deliver. And if they don't, they should probably be out the door, because they won't progress at Rangers. And then questions maybe start to be asked about, OK, you know, the Academy makes great noises. Where is the fruits of that? And some of that challenge goes to the first team. Some of that goes to the Academy. Some of that goes to the stuff that Ross Wilkstein and all that's doing, and he's the last bit of the puzzle. I do get that. But hi, uh, there you go. So it depends how you want to slice up your cake. Uh, and right now, it's not exactly the most palatable one because I'm not exactly seeing tons of success.
0: I think we wish them all the best of luck in the first instance. So we're, we're looking out for their progress, particularly in the pod next week, or uh, over the, the, the coming weeks, rather, Willie. That's your job. Um, <laughs> so... Last week, our latest Europa League travels took us to Holland. Um, Willem Thuy, which we, we spoke about in the, in the run-up to it, we kind of we thought that if, if uh, they got by progress, it would be a, a difficult tie, perhaps a more technical tie than, than what we'd had thus far in the tournament. I don't think they particularly disappointed in the first 15 minutes. I thought technically they looked very, very good. Um, and while we came onto the game, and I, I I think over the fullness of time, thoroughly deserved the victory, it was a really good challenge, Tommy, for them to go to Holland and come away with a four-goal victory.
2: Always good, you know. You go anywhere, and like you say, against a particularly decent team, I think anybody who says to themselves that they weren't expecting a challenging game, or, or rather, they said that they, you know they expected to win by four goals, is lying to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, Answers, answers in the comments please <laughs> um, it was always going to be difficult it was I think you're absolutely right Willem produced the goods midway front um, I think they were just lacking the back a wee bit you know, undone by a goalkeeping error a penalty you know, um, set piece and stuff like that as well ultimately that game though for me probably wasn't a form though I, I thought Willem Tway made some really good chances at some really key points and if they're taking any of them, I'm thinking of McGregor saves and stuff like that as well. Um, you know, getting away with he spells one early yeah. doors as well, whereas their keeper didn't. I, I thought w- whilst I fully agree with you, we deserve to win the game. The actual subscript and the narrative inside the game was not a full er and we kind of rode a luck a wee bit. And you need to do that, you need to produce your and, and all that kind of good stuff. But they weren't a bad mob. Getting away with 4 0 out of there, keeping that clean sheet absolutely fantastic there'll be tougher tests on the road and at home um but I, you move on you see those are the kind of games you need to win but there was a huge slice of luck if they have get the first goal it'd be a challenging game
0: so willie i'm going to come to you next i think a, a lot has been made the last couple of weeks um since john mclaughlin's came in and was part of the clean sheet army if you like um how did steven gerrard Really pick between Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin after you have such a stunning performance in in Europe one week? Um, he couldn't have justified uh, dropping McGregor after that performance on Thursday night.
1: No, I think the fact that he chose Alan for the Villain Two game showed the respect he's got for him. You know, and he's he's been so impressive in the European ties in particular. Um, yeah, a bit like what Tommy's saying, it's. It was one of those games that kind of went either way early the doors, I think, from memory, we had a chance after about a minute where, like, Golden had a direct ball right down the middle and Ken just, I don't know if he lost it in the light, so he just miscontrolled it, but then, then that chance where the guy takes the shot and it ricochets off McGregor, I would kind of partially kind of looked down because I was just expecting the ball to hit the back of the net and then it hit off the bar, obviously, and he was like, I think we got away with that there. Yeah. Then we made that wee spell where... You know, we started to get a wee bit of control, we got the penalty, and then obviously we get the second goal where the Ricochet was off there. goalkeeper, Kent, he just happens to be in the right place at the right time. But even after that, you know, they had a couple of great chances, I think it was like the one-on-one with McGregor, which was a stunning save for Alan, brilliant save. Yeah. And then, you know, you're coming in at half time, the Mario's like, look, let's be sensible, first 15 minutes of the second half, but I think I wrote down, Within a minute of the second half, they nearly scored. That's right. And you're sitting going, that, that team didn't go particularly well for <laughs> the first 15 minutes, you know. But then after that, as I say like the set pieces made a difference. You know, this third and the fourth goal are quality deliveries. Yeah. In the box. And I were talking last week about how many mistakes are made in a football match and how many of them are punished. We weren't punished by volume Three Falls tonight, yeah. but we punished them for every mistake that they made, pretty Correct. much. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's and that's a fine line in football. For game to game to game, you know the mistakes we made against Hibs cost us two goals. The mistakes that Willem Three made in that game cost them four goals. Yeah. Whereas the mistakes that we made, then they end up in the back of the net. And a lot of people can maybe bypass that. I agree with Tommy. It definitely wasn't a four nothing game. You know, if that game had finished. or even 4-3, I don't think that would have been unfair in terms of the the chances created in the match, but I I was delighted, you know, when you come through that tie against that level of opposition, I think that's a really good result for us, and probably something that's maybe not really been talked up enough, you know, they're a very good team, and for some reason in the Scottish press it was just like, I ringers beat Vellum 2, that's fine, you know, we just move on, but it's just crazy. Because if any our team had done that to a Dutch team, I'm pretty sure there would have been a lot of talk for days and end about that kind of result, especially away from home. Yeah. yeah. Home. Just
2: one thing to add, just very briefly, to that I, I think it's a really good point from William about the fact that the press almost played it down. You know, it would only have been a news story if we had get beaten. But I think really importantly as well was coming where it did, right after the Hibs game. Yeah. Difficult away tie in Europe, Dutch team, all that kind of good stuff. Straight back on the horse. I'm gonna click my fingers again because that was terrible. <laughs> That's Straight better. Straight back on the horse. Um, and the clean sheet to boot. So you sometimes you need that wee bit of luck just to reinforce the message and get back on the horse really quickly. Came at a perfect time and it was a really good performance and we got the slice of luck that you need sometimes. Perfect. I think it
0: gives us the the opportunity as well in the the sort of one off game shootout at iBrox, which is which is fantastic, I think. Well, we'll cover it later. I would la- rather have that tie at Ibrox than having to to travel to Turkey for it. Um, Tommy, I'll stick with you. I, th- I think we've spoke recently about the, the midfield lacking Joe because he had such a good pre-season. Uh, Ryan Jack started the season really well. I thought that the trio of Arfield, Davis and Kamara um, and Holland were really, really impressive. Glenn Kamara seems to have really struck a rich vein of form since the international break.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, there's no way I'm going to disagree with that comment. Uh, I think they, they really complement each other as well. So, uh, you know, Joe Aribo had something completely different. You then start to go down a corridor of conversations about what's the best three and who best complements. And is it natural to have Joe Aribo in there? I mean, I would always try and make space for Joe Aribo because he's a great player. Uh, I tell you who else seems to have hit a rich vein of form, which is Scott Arfield And Stephen Davis, having come off the back of maybe a poorish performance uh, against Tibbs and stuff like that, has found these dictative passing again. They all seem to really complement each other and that allows them to migrate round about because you find, you know, now you're starting to see, you know, Glenn Kamara further forward near the edge of the box. Yeah. Instead of just Scott Arfield making those, those runs, Stephen Davis, when he's, his engine allows, gets uh, a little bit further forward as well and then still able to sweep up Scott Arfield able to get back into the middle to to take the ball off the back four as well. Like I said, it's less well, you need to have the conversation about the individuals, absolutely. But the way that they all complement each other's games and they all seem to get it, um, is maybe something something for the keeping there. It might just be quite difficult for Joe Rebo, if they keep up the form, um, for Joe Rebo to to come back in, although one would suggest if you were looking for a forward looking player to dump. It would maybe be Iannis Hadji, and that's me not picking on him. The poor boy's just in a bad, thinner form at the moment. He's still a talented guy who performed really, really well for Rangers.
0: Willie, do you think that we're now almost seeing? I want to be careful how I word this. Are we seeing Finland's Glen Kamara for Rangers?
1: Yeah, you know, I think he's given a little bit more freedom. I think that's kind of one of the things that's going kind to of stood out in the last few games. He has been getting a wee bit higher. And he's been looking as though he can hurt teams. And I've always been amazed at some people that don't see the talent that Glenn's got. I mean, we only need to spend maybe like sixty minutes some some games just watching Glenn. You know, he reads the game so well, his passing's excellent, he's a great range of passing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think I think at times we underrate the quality of players. I know in the past people have said, say, oh Glenn's only worth two million and three million. Like, see, when that guy plays, I think I've said in previous pods, that guy could play in any of the top leagues in Europe and teams would puff with him in the middle of that pitch because of the way that he can dictate a game, yeah. You know the way that he can move the ball, the way that he takes it to the defence, that he moves it forward. Glenn's a top player. And I think, sadly, yeah, again, I think he's another one of these guys that until he goes, you'll probably not really appreciate the quality that he's got. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, again, I think back to that midfield three, I can say that at the start of the season I was I was very worried for Scott Arfield that like the way that Joe was playing, I couldn't really see a spot for Scott. So in some ways, like the injuries to Arebo and the injuries to Jack have been a huge benefit to Scott because he's committed to the team, you know, he had the great impact off the bench against Dundee United, I think it was. Yeah. like since then he's just got better and better. And that ball for Jordan Jones against Mullewall was brilliant. You know, that's a guy that's playing with confidence, that's like looking as though he can teams. You see, at the end of the day, when Scott's playing well, it's a benefit to us because he's capable of scoring goals and creating goals. And he's also one of those players that is willing to get into the box, which he's shown in the last year and a half, two years. He's a talented footballer. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the thought of Jack coming back and a Rebo to come back and Roof to come back, I know we think like, the squad's a bit light at the moment because of those injuries, but you see, once everybody's fit, it's a heavier thing, picking the start and the loving, never mind the bench.
0: Absolutely.
2: It is. just just two very, very quick points there, just to drop back again to, to Glenn Kamara for a moment, which was, I, I recall, and I, I can't remember which game it was, but maybe um, in the Dundee United game, I, I can't recall, but I remember Neil McCann talking about when he had Glenn Kamara at Dundee, and one of the things he was always, you know, trying to get out was be a bit more free in your forward running. Try and break into the box. Uh, you know, make sure you get your chances where as well. Don't be scared to hit him. Starting to see, obviously, Glenn getting further and further forward, and he's got that ability. I'm I'm always dead against comparing players to previous players or any other players from any other parts of the world at any time frame because it's a zero sum game. But if he does continue that, because this guy. Um, about reference, his actual ability to pass the ball was generally underrated as well. He's got a bit of the Marcos Senna about him.
0: Yeah, great um, shout.
2: Yeah, and Senna's, like I said, Senna's ability to actually pass the ball was always underrated. He was seen as Spain spoiler.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. But actually, he was a really good player for Villarreal as well. Um, and I think Glenn Kamara's just got a little bit of that, that mould about him. Um, there we go. That's my take.
0: So listen, we took care of uh, Villem Tois in their own backyard on on the Thursday night and it teed us up really nicely for what has historically been a a, a tricky tie for Rangers. I've always felt that when we went to to Firth Park, it's always been a wee bit what Rangers is going to turn up. Narrow pitch, um, they're not great fans of us and that's okay, we're used to it. But I think after the the Hibs game last week, it was a game that we really had to go and regain some league form. And and I've seen in some of the social media um, over the the course of the the week since the Willem Twag game, people saying how it would be good to have the European Rangers playing domestically and just bringing that form from the European Thursday night games into the the Sunday games. Uh, I thought we were excellent at the weekend at Firth Park. Uh, and, and thoroughly deserved to to come away with, with with what we ended up. I don't know what your guys take, on it. First, I'll come at you, Willie. What did you think of the game, at the weekend?
1: Yeah, look, I thought we came out really quickly. In fact, we, we could have pretty much scored in the first minute. Yeah. We all sort of Morel as Morelos' header was well saved by the goalkeeper. and I thought that set the tone for us. You know, I thought we were aggressive. You know, the two full backs were bombing forward. Good to see Bassi coming in for his first start. Thought he looked good as well. Um, but yeah, again, like Tavenier, just some of the runs, some of the movement in that first half in particular was excellent. Also, there's been a lot of conjecture about the whole, was that a penalty, was it not a penalty? I think sometimes when you're watching the game live, it's hard to stop because sometimes things happen so quickly. Like the first penalty, personally when I first seen it, I didn't see it hitting his hand. Because the game is going by and sometimes you kind of lose track of what's going on because the ball's going. Then, but then when they slow it down his arms, quite a bit away from his body. Yep. Like given the new rules, given what we've seen over the weekend the other games, it's a penalty. I'm not really too sure why all of a sudden, because Rangers have been given a penalty, it seems as though it's headline news. Which is, it's crazy, but that's this what happens up here. Um, and I thought Tars' penalty was great, because the goalkeeper went the right way. So it had to be a good penalty. But... Um, I think I kinda of referenced it earlier on the second goal. Really good interplay, Tav and Scott Yarfield to start off with, and then the link copy Morelos, then that slide rule ball for Jordan Jones, it was delicious. Yeah. You know, and I mean Jordan put it in the back. I mean, it's not often in the house that I stand up and applaud, but I did for that. <laughs> I thought
2: it was a great goal. You know, they don't they don't only get worried, to uh, only get worried, William, if somebody's uh, shouting behind you.
1: <laughs> but I think like it ties like we don't appreciate some of the goals that we score. Yeah. You know, I mean that second goal was it was back to front, you know, Tav, Arfield, into Morelos, back to Arfield, lovely ball inside the full-back. Then Jordan Jones finishes outstanding, you know, and yet again. If that was a team in the continent that scored that goal, they would sometimes be re-shown that kind of goal again. But it was yeah. a really good one-touch stuff at times. Great ball through, great finish. And I felt at that point we were quite comfortable. I didn't really feel Muller were, were really doing anything. You know, they looked a bit leggy. Maybe showing how difficult it is to come back after these Thursday night games, after the impact, then, you know, like physically and mentally they can have on the squad. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I'll
0: let you choke Tommy,
1: yeah, you Tommy I,
0: I, to I thought that um, so I've been critical of <laughs> uh, of Jones in the past Tommy and indeed I, I think I said about three weeks ago or something like that that I actually didn't think he was going to be here um, come mid-October that may still be the case however he's certainly he's he's got the jersey now he's the, I would say the jersey's his now to lose yeah
2: yeah, so just, just to your very starting point, though, in terms of European Rangers turning up domestically, also helps when you've got a bit of a European protection from the referee. Correct. <laughs> right and for Park has, yeah, it's always been difficult. And quite recently, lately, quite recently, lately uh, is a terrible sentence. Uh, recently, they've been able to get away with murder. Yeah. Pretty much. You know, I'm thinking of poor Fabio Cardoso uh, in there as well. And there was more protection for the from the referee, but quite frankly, we, we didn't let them breathe. We played round about them. I think, yeah, they could very well. Although I appreciated Stephen Robinson not trying to hide behind it, Um in terms of saying you know, tiredness isn't an excuse. We we came here, you know, we could have done better, and I think that's fairly that's fairly honest of them. Though a trip back from Israel after a pounding three 0 I think it was. Yeah, well deserved. It isn't easy to get over. You know, welcome to what Rangers need to do yeah. most years. Sure. Uh, in terms of how they do it Thursday, Sunday, and we don't get any claps on the back. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought we we played round about them, we stood up to a wee bit of the challenged physicality that was in there, which is always in there. But yeah, by and large, I, I don't think I don't think there was any there was there was never any danger. Rangers were always pretty much in control. We actually wasted a couple of decent opportunities as well. Um, the only thing I'd say about the penalties, uh, and I agree, you know, this conversation about I always hate conversations that are you know, by the letter of the law. It's it's a penalty. Well, okay then, so it's a penalty um, because that's what laws are there for. You don't say, yeah. oh well, by the letter of the law, that's mobbed up. Yeah. But you know, that guy's <laughs> um, there. You know, it's not quite open to interpretation. But what I would say and Mother Wales defence, so to speak, Because right, we're an open minded podcast, is first is a clear one. Second, I'd be livid about. Um, you know, and they maybe had a shout with Glenn Camaras. We nudge in the back as well, if I was being brutally honest, because he does come in at the back. He doesn't come on shoulder to shoulder. But I don't do I think that would have changed anything. Absolutely not. You know, just bossed that game pretty much. And yeah. It was great to see, and nobody's mentioned it yet, so I'll do it. Cedric Itton getting, uh, getting on the score sheet. None of which was your question, so let me get back to the point <laughs> really quickly. I, I, I was going to have to go off track at one point today, yes, uh, at one point, which is, yeah. I mean, Jordan Jones, I think I said a couple of weeks back, which was, I thought he was getting closer, because he'd been in about match day scores, and then he got the wee JJ reference from Stephen Gerrard and stuff yep. like that. He made a cameo, obviously, in Holland. He then gets a jersey. You know, you're trying to think, well, why couldn't he get ahead of Brandon Barker? Okay. Not that I'd ever want to see a player injured, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But he's in there. As William said, great play, uh, great play from Scott Arfield. He was in amongst it. I thought, uh, and I believe Scott Arfield referenced this in his uh, pre, uh, post-match interview as well, saying, or Jordan's positioning to help out Tav, but also filter back into the midfield to make it compact, goes unnoticed, did all that really good job. His teammates are noticing it. The managers noticed it. He gets a headline act with a great finish for the goal. So the fans are noticing it. Who else would you put in their head over them? I'm struggling to think. Particularly if you're trying to beat that back line. The only thing that he, you know, isn't in his favour is he's not the most technically gifted player. So he won't always be you know, to go back to the other conversation, if you're looking to try and unlock a defence that's really tight and sitting back, then it's an rebo maybe yeah. you can put yeah. those on. But if you get the ability to play in behind a ball over the top getting run onto by Jones or Kent, you know what I mean? That is a difficult place for any any full backs or any centre backs to want to be in. So I, I do think he's got a jersey now. Yeah, and he just needs to keep maintaining the attitude and the ability
0: indeed tommy i'm going to stick with you because you kind of stole my next line we've been waiting on um we tried, Scott, cedric <laughs> we've been waiting on um cedric itton to arrive and my goodness did he not do that at the weekend
2: he did so it was great to uh am fantastic that i'm the first one up. so i'm going to do it uh it was great to see him in the back of the net Oh my God! And, uh, there you go. I've, uh, I've, been, uh, I've been saving that one up since Sunday, uh, and it's definitely been <laughs> off. It's mouldy, but this point in time, so I thought he looked. I thought it looked decent. I was sitting. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was certainly sitting uh, watching the TV, saying, "Get him on." You know, yeah. You, yeah, give him half an hour. Give him twenty. Give, give him a, Don't give him five minutes. Not again. Came on. Looked really assured. Ran the channels pretty well. Gave a different dimension. Uh, hopefully answered some of those critics who popped up already saying, and I made a point of referencing them last week on the podcast saying he will come good. He's a very good player. He's still only young, 23 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but people are already trying to you know, say that he's, he wasn't Rangers class or whatever and anything like that. He's an upgrade on, uh, and I did actually notice the, um, there was some resemblance to his goal, his first goal uh, to Florian Camberi's yeah, From the same part of the world and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's an upgrade on Canberra, they'll be under no uh, illusions there. But yeah, his first goal, fantastic touch, great ball from Scott Arfield, great run from Tavernier, which gives the, I think it's maybe Ricky Lamy, gives him a, a kind of thought that he gets caught between two stools. Do I go with the runner? Do I press the man? First touch sets him up and he lashes that. Perfect. Um, I don't know if it was Andy Walker who was saying, uh, oh, you can maybe be critical, could the keeper have got to that? Uh, right, very good. very, very good. Well, Andy Walker I, knows.
0: Let's be honest, guys. He knows the answers.
2: Well, well, exactly. If Andy Walker doesn't know it, then you should probably you should probably look it up because it's probably worth worth knowing. Because the, the guy only knows one thing, which is uh, base level critique and uh, playing, you know playing uh, cliche bingo. But why he's still got a job? Neither of us, uh, none of us know. Right. Anyway, but let's not talk about Andy Walker. So yeah, he lashes it past him and then. I think it was Chris Boyd after the match as well was saying you know and you can understand this the second one probably gives him a bit more from a goal perspective because he's in amongst it he's sniffing it out and he just hits it you know it's kind of a goal that uh, actually in the sequence of events is the kind of goal you would have expected Jermaine to to score because he's in there he just knows it he just intrinsically knows it's going to fall but again you know two goals he's off the mark he's up and running and as a small bookend to that. What was great when the first one hit the back of the net, the entire team right over to him, and they all looked genuinely over the moon. So that's yeah, him. Yeah. Roof's up and running. He turns up and running. Jordan Jones is back scoring goals. What have we been banging on about? All, all three of us and Martin and the other William, and they've been on the podcast as well since the since last season. Goals from different parts of the team and everybody chipping in. Boom. That sounds like a good place to be. Brilliant.
0: Well, I, I don't know, what I thought when when Itton came on, he looked quite, and I, I think it's one thing we've actually had from all of the strikers in the last couple of weeks, they looked genuinely quite hungry. And Itton's a bee bit different because there must have been the, the proverbial monkey on his back for, for getting that first goal. I thought he looked really eager to impress when he came on at the weekend.
2: Yeah, well, I think
0: I think when you get, you know, like four strikers basically for one position,
1: I think every time that one of them comes on, you know, they're looking to make an impact. And I think, yeah again, we spoke about it in the last pause, for some people to be writing off this guy within, whatever it was, like 200 minutes of football, just so yeah. ludicrous, I think mean, nonsense. I think I tweeted when he scored, this is why I love Rangers Twitter, because the guys that were criticising him, like, two days before it were saying, that's a great goal, what a finish, and you're sitting going, who can give us a two-faced? Yeah, You know, you're see he's not good enough, he's pissed, you can't, it's, it's, you know, like, things like that make me laugh because we're talking about a kid that's left his country for the first time, getting into a new environment, don't know if he's got, like, a girlfriend or a wife or kids or whatever, but I mean he's having to, like, sort of come into a new country, settle down, get used to a new style of play, you know, get used to all the players, all the different things that come, we come into a new team, and we just think guys should hit the ground running, that's basically not how it works.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you start a new job, you're always nervous for the first few miles because you're never too sure. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for him. It doesn't matter the fact that he's a footballer or, or whatever else it is you do. But I thought his first goal was brilliant. Great technique, great finish. A bit like what you guys talk. that second goal just a striker's goal. Yeah. Well, he's reacted first to it and well, if you ask any striker, they'd probably be more delighted with the second goal than the first goal because that's the kind of goals they what to be known for scoring. Correct. And yeah. I think for Cedric, it's great. It'll give him a huge confidence boost. And I think like the manager referenced it after the match, and I think Tav spoke about it as well, saying that, you know, when new players come into the team, it's about making them feel welcome. Can you imagine, you know, the coming on at Highbrookes and, you know, the boys are maybe bouncing off them a wee bit and, you know, the crowd starts to get a bit restless. I think in some ways, I mean, no supporters has been good for some of these players. Because yeah. it's allowed them a wee bit of time. I and mean, when things aren't be uh-huh. 100% right, it's fine. Because nobody's really getting in their back.
2: Yeah, but William, an iBooks crowd getting restless with the player?
1: Yeah. I mean, are you, right. are you, are you, come I on, you. <laughs> oh. I think well, I've had a few good guys who are behind me early the years of so right. Interesting characters. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: a couple of them in my section as well. Everybody's rubbish. Is. Even if you stop in the back of the net, you're still so <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> well, again, <laughs> the
1: guy that used to sit like behind me in the enclosure, he hated Tav. Like Tav was like the public enemy to this guy. It's like somebody could have been assassinated in front of Tavaniar, and he would have blamed Tavaniar for it, even though he was na- <laughs> near him. Like, you know. And it's just, it's crazy. So, this is the sort of guy that wouldn't be proud of for getting his 50th goal. Yeah. For whatever that is, you now six goals in six games and yeah. four assists in the last six games. And and it's just, you know, that's the nature of the game with angels, Rangers. You know, you're either are really good or you're mostly good. It's like, sort of, have, because he's injured, Roof better come back and score his first game
2: back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. it
2: will be a croc. That'll be him. He, right. He'll never hit the heights again. He shouldn't be at Rangers. Just a wee thing on Cedric Itton, by the way. I'm sure he, not only is he delighted with the goals, he'll also be delighted that he doesn't have to um, keep wearing the donkey bib in training uh, every, <laughs> every week now that he's finding a couple.
1: The big thing is, and I think you've pointed out, the whole squad were delighted for him. You know, the bench were all clapping them and waving it at him and shouting at him when you his goal. And that shows you how difficult it is for players to come in and then settle in. So obviously they know how difficult it's been for them. So getting that first goal is massive. And then you get the second goal so quickly. It's just a massive confidence boost, isn't it? Indeed. And he offers us something different. You know, he's not Morelos. He's not Defoe. And he's certainly not Ruth, But he offers us something different. Yeah. I see to me, like, I think his link-up play is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, his two goals are certainly two very different types of goals. He's certainly not a Morelos in terms of like his physicality and his power. But to me, it looks like he's going to be good with his ball at his feet. He's going to be technically good. He'll probably be good at linking up the play. And if he can get his 20 goals, 25 goals, whatever it may be, then it's just a massive help for us because we've been so reliant on Alfredo for so long. You know, it's great to have other players in the team adding those five goals, ten goals, fifth yeah.
2: goals. Um,
1: good, and
2: to good to have those options. You mean, you I'm mean,
1: loving the, the team fact team. that um, so many players are scoring goals out with Alfredo. Yeah. I think that's it's good a thing it's happened in the last two or three weeks as other players are making goals, assisting goals, creating goals, and scoring them. That's massive for us
2: moving forward. Well, that's it, because you could actually, you could actually, you know, say, and I, I know Scott's about to jump in, so I'll, I'll make it brief, Scott, that Alfredo Morelos hasn't exactly been on fire the okay. last couple of weeks ago. I think that's a fair non-controversial comment, right? And we've managed to win those games, heads aside, but even then we scored two without, um, you know, Morelos banging those goals, which speaks exactly to your point, William. And we're getting into people's boxes and making them make mistakes, hence the, the the penalties. So all of that goes from your midfield, goes from your fullback, you know, goes from your forward players, even the ones coming off the bench. That is where you need to be if you want to be at the top end for the prizes. Now, long way that continue for me.
0: Tommy, I'm going to stay with you because I want to speak about Stephen Davis. Uh, and I think at the start of the season, everyone thought that he was going to be Almost on the periphery, and he'd be used sparingly. Maybe the big games um, and the European games. I think it's safe to say that the 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 fact that we've been maybe a wee bit light on on midfield with injuries that Davis has maybe played a wee bit more than than Stephen Gerrard would maybe like to have used them. The last two games have have just shown that um, the class that he has as as a footballer, um, he's as good as anyone in the game up here.
2: Without a shadow of a doubt, uh, and I have been or well, was critical of Stephen Davis as well. And, you know, it's no bad thing to be critical of players when they have poor performances and then, you know, um, laud them when they have good performances. To, to William's example, a minute ago, the guy who hated Tav. Well, that's fine up until the moment. You hate even the good things and you can't, you are know, too blinkered. Yeah. So it's fine to criticise Stephen Davis, you know, played some poor games. Has he hit form again? Absolutely, and you know when he is on his game, even when he's not, right? He's technically one of the big players in Scotland, and on his game, he reads the game better, and his ability to dictate it. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody could really challenge that he's probably the best in Scotland at that. Uh, this is why you know he's lauded by everybody who's ever played with him, and you know beyond that, I think a couple of weeks back there was a good uh, conversation with Darren Fletcher, and Darren Fletcher was talking about when they came to play Southampton the only person they were really worried about was Stephen Davis, because he could dictate the game round about them, and so they would get close to him and stuff like that. This guy's a top, top, top midfielder. And if he and some of that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that was it always Stephen Davis going off the boil, or is it getting the right players round about him and the complement? So you know, does it naturally work when you get Stephen Davis and Ryan Jack, because they always do seem to occupy similar spaces? and offense yeah. to Ryan Jack, he's a good player, but if I want somebody passing the ball, right, Jack will put the way, because I want yeah. Stephen Davis who can actually Absolutely. do it.
0: Absolutely,
2: yeah. So some of that in the movement and, and all that, and horses for courses and teams, you know, at some point, Stephen Davis will need the rest. That's, you know, he's not getting any younger. But is he hitting the form that we need him to hit at the right time? And has he put himself back in the driving place or driving seat for a jersey? I oh, does somebody will have to come back and leverage him out of that because it's not going to be easy, and then you get to the final bit of that is actually when you step back because there was all the clamouring we need another midfielder. I was saying it myself. I still think we do need another ball playing midfielder. Agreed. Yeah, that pivot, that fulcrum at the the bottom of the diamond and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you invert it, Delta and all that, right? There's not another. I just thought I'd get Delta in there at some point, right Because I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to see it. Uh, if you, if you speak. um. Would be who else could actually do that in, in the Rangers team? Nobody. You could wedge Kamara in there. You could wedge Ryan Jack in there. But actually there's nobody fit for complete purpose out with of Stephen Davis to play that that role, which is why we probably need to have somebody in there challenging him. Yeah. But right now it's only it's Stephen Davis or Burst. And thankfully we've got a fit in playing well Stephen Davis, which means he would keep anybody else at the team anyway
0: willie i'm a great believer of us the fact that we have these guys at the club who who have won medals with rangers previously I'm, I'm looking at guys like mcgregor and davis and in the case of stephen davis we brought over a young guy from northern ireland this summer charlie lindsay i think is his name correct me if i'm wrong i know you will yeah. um, he can't fail. but but looking at stephen davis and think wow if i need a role model to to progress in my football career not just necessarily at rangers but as a fellow Northern Irishman, you'll it, see him and everything he's done the last couple of weeks with the, the Caps, Tally, etc. And just the way that he's generally playing, you can't help but look up to Stephen Davis and think, wow, that's, that's, that's the role model for me. That's what I want to be like.
1: Yeah, look, I think the word legend gets used a lot for players who probably aren't. But I think in terms of like Northern Irish football, Stephen Davis is. You know, what he's done for his country. The fact that he's been to like major championships for his country. Something that a lot of people probably didn't think was possible.
2: Yeah.
1: You know. And Steven's been a huge part of that. I've always loved Stephen Davis. I think I probably said it in the last pod where you know my dad was always talking about you know, class is class. And Stephen is that. You know, when you watch him play the game when he first came in alone and then he signed permanently. And what was always purring when he spoke about Stephen Davis because We've had some top midfield players over the years. We could write more off 15, 20. Stephen Davis is right up there.
0: Yeah. And I thing.
1: think it's, you know, we talk about a lot of form players and how good guys have been, but sometimes we should look closer to home. Stephen Davis is one of those guys. He can dictate games. He scored big goals, scored the one against Celtic at Ibrox. Um, scored, I think, in the cup final. Memory shot. You
2: even hit a miss hit in the bottom
0: corner. stuff. And I think that's
2: the thing is that
1: when people talk about them, maybe we don't talk about them enough because, yet again, when you've got somebody like that in your team, you just expect it from And when you go to Holland and you play against all these technical players, you always expect them to be better technically than us. But our midfield showed. That we're as good technically as anybody and Steven moving the ball when Glenn's moving the ball and I think in Scotland more than often when we are dictating play we'll win more games than we lose and When yeah. Steven's in the team and he's dictating the play and we're moving the ball well I think that's we're at our best.
2: I mean, yeah I think it's a really good point as well when we you make there that I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it's a really good point so it's worth reiterating. I think he does, to some extent, with some of the support, fall into that. He's not sexy, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't get the, uh, the credit that he's due, but he is, I think you're absolutely right as well, he is a top-tier midfielder that you drop in there next to in the conversation with Ferguson, Alberts, Giovanni van Bronckhurst, these types of guys. Guys who could really dictate a midfield internationally on a European club basis and domestically. He is a genuine, genuine player, and we will miss him when he finally
1: hangs up his boots. Yeah, look, I think the big thing that stood out for me is when Stephen left the club, he was only ever going to the English Premier League. Yeah. And that shows you the level Stephen was at when he left Rangers. I mean, Stephen would have probably been at Rangers for the rest of his career if he hadn't dropped down the divisions. Stephen would have probably been at Rangers for 10, 15 years. Yep. Because yeah. Because I don't think Rangers would have...
2: The... And probably captain as well. Probably captain
1: and, as well. I mean, without a doubt, and I think... You know, like for some of those older bears that have had the pleasure of seeing some of these older players and stuff like that, and the fact that… He's uh, all been good
2: sport,
0: man. Aye. He is, I'm afraid he is. He definitely is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've dialed up, I've dialed my camera all the way up here to he smooth out my face with a camera. It's
1: And I just think we're, we're very lucky, even for some of the younger bears that are watching Stephen Davis now to we appreciate how much longer we've got, whether it's this year or next year, maybe a year after that, depending on when Stephen thinks the time's up. You appreciate every game he plays because you don't find many players like Stephen Davis. And generally when you do try and find those guys, they're worth a hell of a lot of money and we maybe can't afford them. Yeah. The fact we got Stephen back up here for free, the fact he was willing to come back up the road, you know, that's a big thing for us. And we're definitely a better team than Steven Davis plays. It's just that simple.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Tommy, I want to come back to you. And just the, the, the sort of the last thing I want to, to mention about the Motherwell game at the weekend. Uh, Willie Boyd put a message in our group on Sunday, prior to the game starting, to say that uh, Borna Barisic hadn't made it and would, would start on the bench. And Calvin Bassey came in. And I think maybe a wee bit you were thinking, hmm. Barisic offers us a really huge amount down the left-hand side, particularly the way we play. I thought Bassey was excellent on Sunday. I thought it was really, really good. Couldn't have failed but to be impressed by him.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I'll keep keep it fairly brief uh, on that one. Everybody went, "Mm, Barisic, has he dropped him? Is it just uh, a change to give him a rest? Actually, I think the tight tight coin or tight hamstring or something like that, which is why the was taken out of the manager's hands, so to speak. Very able deputy. Slotted right in there. Yeah. Really good defensively. Knows his position. Really, really good going forward. Actually, some really good crosses as well. You know, yeah. a little bit more composure sometimes, but he's a young guy. Does he look like he could be in, you know I place it on one game, but a natural successor or a massive drop down in quality, which is always what you're worried about when it comes to squad. No, he looked like he did his job really, really well. Kept the line, read the game, can pass one or two wee kind of hear him, scare him moments, but that's to be expected of the young boy. I think there was one bit where he took a second touch and it was just, I mean, it looked like he was kind of, <laughs> yeah, tick one, uh, tick and one, you know what I mean? Thankfully, <laughs> he's, like, well, he's got this as well. He's a fair unit uh, of a boy, yeah. I think I've said to before, that he, he looks like a freight train and he, he runs like it as well. Yeah. But he's definitely an athlete. Um, Again, I'm going to stick with my comparing players and all that, just a wee bit at one moment, I was thinking, oh, you know, see if he just refined his game uh, LA Wenger years Lauren.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, fair uh, point.
2: Loren, I should say. Um I no, it looked really, really good. Long wait continue for the young man. Obviously deserved his chance in training or the way he's trained. He's caught the eye of the, the manager again. And just to link it back, actually. a wee warning or a wee showcase to some of the boys in our academy yeah. what it looks like to look after your physique? Take your chance, bide your time as a young man. Now, I appreciate there might have been some, you know, oh, you're bringing in another, another young guy and he gets into the first-team squad. What about your academy boys? Are the academy boys at left-back as good as Calvin Bassey? If they're not, then they need to look at their own games before they start moaning about anything else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was very good, wasn't he, in Sunday?
1: Yeah, look, I think the fact that he hadn't really played much first-team football... Um, I think when he signed for Leicester, he hadn't actually played a first-team game. Yeah. So he's obviously come off the bench for us a handful of times now. And then he gets his first start. So there's always that bit of concern because you don't know how he's going to go. But I thought he did pretty well. You know, and I think he's got the experience next to him with Goulson and Hellander. He's got the experience in the middle of the park with Davis and Kamara and Arfield. So I mean, if there's anything going during the game, and he's, you know... You can look across at these guys or look next to him and say, all right, calm down, just do the simple things. Pass the ball to Kamara, pass the ball to Davis. You know, you don't need to do anything over the top. But I thought he get forward well. He put in some good deliveries. And I think with him, it's just about sort of refining his game and also looking at, you know, the things he can improve upon. And possibly one of the things that I think long-term is that they might move him inside. Because he's certainly big enough and strong enough to move into centre half position. Maybe the versatility is one of the bigger reasons why we brought him in. Because he can play in a couple of positions. But certainly, I thought he did well the weekend. And I think it's a good thing for the manager. He's now got something else he can look at. Because Jones came in and did well. Bassies did well. That's what the manager wants. He wants guys to come in and have an impact. Those two did that. I'm sure the manager was delighted afterwards. And it's allowed them, you know, a wee opportunity to rest some legs, and I think we'll probably see that next Sunday as well when we play Ross County. I think the manager, if we're fortunate enough to get by Galatasaray, you might find it one or two. You we'll know, get a wee rest because it's been a tough last couple of weeks. We've played a lot of games. Yeah. Mentally and physically, it's tough. So the fact that Jones came in and made an impact, Bassie's come in and made an impact. Great for the manager, and even Balogun getting his half an hour.
2: Just a very small, very minor point, but and it might sound strange, but it's actually worth saying. It's actually nice to have another naturally left-footed player at Absolutely. the back. You know, instead of somebody getting wedged in to that place, it's fantastic to have that, and it, it always comes across in people's games. If that's like it,
0: that. I think it goes without saying. There's always a, there's always an elegance around the left footer.
2: There is. Okay. It is, is. It's, a, it's um, a safety-looking delivery if you're, uh, you're not
0: going with a left foot. Willie, I know you've done your research certainly better than me this week. Speak to us a little bit about Galatasaray for Thursday night, will you?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I used to catch a wee bit of their game against Fenerbahce, which was a bit crazy. Some of the tackles and stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the firm, like, we talk about the whole firm games has been nuts, but, you know, there wasn't even like, a person in that capacity crowd and I think it was like, loving bookings. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, that maybe gives us a wee slight insight as to how maybe the old firm game is going to be because you know you hear every shout and every scrap and every bad word that's getting said and um, I thought they were a good team going forward but it was noticeable that we be were kind of looking at some of the ages after the match. They are a slightly older team. Okay. I think possibly just over half the team was over 30. People would say, well, that's good because they've got a lot of experience. But it could also be the other side of the coin where we might look to use pace to hurt them. Yeah. So, Ken, potentially Jones, you know, uh, so Alfredo, I think I'll, I'll enjoy playing against their two centre-backs. To me, um, I don't know what the right word is, they looked a bit flustered at times. And I get the feeling when they come up against somebody like Alfredo, they'll probably look to niggle at them. Yeah. But I get the feel that Alfredo gets that ball and turns when he's away. You know these guys are not catching them. There's not a chance. Yeah, they go to ground a lot. You know any kind of contact straight to ground. So I'm going to have to be savvy in terms of don't get too close at times because you know they're going to be looking for cheap free kicks, cheap penalties. It's just the same European thing, isn't it? It's being smart against these teams is sometimes half the battle. Don't get involved in things you don't have to. And I think one of the kind of he sideshows to it always Falcao against Morelos. And then <laughs> I'm sure in the back of Morelos, his mind, he's like, well, I want to go over him.
2: Of yeah. course.
1: You know, I want to score two goals to his one. I want to score three goals to his two. Yeah. But to be straight through the middle, if Alfie's still here on Thursday, touch where he is, he starts. I think he'll hurt their defence. I would probably start Jones and Ken mainly for the reasons as I thought they looked a bit slow and really exploit them. Although you could also argue that Jones could come on and make an impact off the bench when they tire even more. But for me, if we show up and we play at a good level, we're more than good enough to beat them. But what I would also say is they have still got a lot of quality players, you know, guys that have played for some top, top European clubs, and even at their age, they can still hurt us, so it's important that we get everything right on the night. But I do believe that we can beat them and we can make it into the group stages again.
0: Tommy, it's it's the magnificent bastards derby, needless to say. <laughs> and um, Stephen Gerrard's been really quick to say that it's going to be a tough game for us on Thursday night. As I said at the start of the pod, I, I think if we had the opportunity to play a one off tie at home to get into the group stages, um I think we can go into Thursday with a little bit of confidence, don't you?
2: Well, it's got everything. Yeah, and, I, and I, I probably agree with your premise there. It does have everything. It's got, you know, it's got Sunnis the flag. It's called Chaldeo. It's got that 3-2 game in, in Istanbul. Uh, Constantinople, Byzantium, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's still not forgiven for the high year, Sophia. But, um, yeah, I just... I think, yeah, I think Rangers can go in with a bit of confidence. You know, I, I echo what Willie was saying there, they're, you know, relatively, well, not relatively shaky, that's a wee bit too much, but they can be got at. You know, they, I think we're sitting joint top of the Super League after three games, you know, seven points or something like that. I think they drew 0-0 at the weekend with uh, Finabashi, and they do have some some names. You know, that torch passing to, to Falcao was a nice wee sub-story. I think Falcao's on record is saying that uh, Alfredo Morelos, when he broke into the Columbia team last year, is the future of uh, Colombian football, so it would be a nice wee, I think, Alcos now, what, 34, 35, in there yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice wee bat and passing. Um, I think they've also got well, Alder Turan is in there, Feig um Ryan Babel. I remember him from, from Liverpool and stuff like that. So they do have some decent names. Good team. Good team. Uh, they, are, they are a good team. They can play front to back really quickly as well. You know, um there's another guy that I wanted to mention. I can't remember Durmas, Durmas as well is in there. So yeah, but they're not unbeatable. And Rangers at Ibrooks against a team who'll come to play, you know, is where we do our best work. You know, as William was referenced there, the the setup of Rangers will be really really interesting. I love these. I actually really, really love these one-game shootouts, to be honest with you. Long yeah. way they continue, you know, get rid of your two-legged affairs, uh, unless, Rangers, unless Rangers would win over two legs, in which case <laughs> <laughs> but um, Yeah, Rangers could go in there. I think it, there'll be a good couple of goals, and I, I, I genuinely think Rangers will beat them, uh, in all honesty. Um, but yeah, it'll be a tough, tough gig. Galatasaray, or Galatasaray, I should say. Um, I still still a bit of a powerhouse. they've, they've not been electric electric and yeah. maybe not the the, the Galatasaray hold, but they can still mix it up, they still have quality. Rangers need to be on their toes and at the top of their game. That's that's if you thought but you know, if so, um villain twee were going to be a different uh, sorry, difficult proposition which they wait and they still created chances against us and we got out with that 4 now win, sounds strange to say got out, but we got away with it. Galatasaray and I are a step up. A significant step-up.
0: What, what would your start in 11 be on Thursday, Tommy?
2: Oh, McGregor, Tav, Barisic, Goldson, Balogun, um, if he's fit. Because I think uh, mm, i maybe go back and forward on Balogun and Holander. Holander's not done anything wrong. Um, in the middle, again, I think I'd stick with what, what we can, which is Kamara, Davis, our field. Yep. Um I would maybe go Morelos Ken Itton, Actually. That okay. would maybe mix it up for me as well with Etten with the ability to drop back into that midfield, uh, along with Ken leaving Morelos up front himself to run the line when we don't have the ball. That I that sounds a bit more in keeping with what I would expect. Jones off the bench.
0: Willie, same question to you, and throw your prediction in at the end if you don't mind.
1: Yeah. Um I think the same back five, eh, sorry, apart from Bassi. So, McGregor, Tav, Hellander, Golson, Barisic, same midfield three. I don't think you can really change that. If he doesn't sound like he was going to be close. Um, it's an interesting one, saying it, and I've got to say, I mean, it is something they could look at just given how Galatasaray play. My thought is he'll probably bring Haji back because he, he seems to like Haji in the European games. So I think he'll go Haji, Kent and Morelos. But I do think that Jones could be massively important. You know, it's the longer that game goes at no-no and because of their age and if they're starting to get fatigued, Jones could really hurt them. Yeah. You know, pace, that pace could really kill them off the bench. I think we'll go for Rangers
2: two, Galatasaray one. So I, I feel that I should give you a prediction as well, Scott, because I didn't, which would be Rangers three, Galatasaray one, and uh, as a wee, you know, kind of funny aside, if Hadji scores, Istanbulborn Hadji yep. scores with Galatasaray, there's going to be some some broken hearts down, uh, down Galatasaray way. Um, aye.
0: So I, I personally think, um, Hadji will play, because the, I think one of the main reasons he will play, regardless of how good others are in form, these are precisely the games that Yanis Hadji is, is at Rangers for. These are these are exactly the games where you need him to turn up and give us a 10 out of 10 with any debate. With, we, we absolutely need him to do
2: that on Thursday night. I agree with you completely on that, Scott, and the reason why he doesn't make my starting 11 is it, it's the exact same thing I said when I was watching the Vellum tweedy. And by and large, he didn't exactly have the greatest game. Now, again, I'm buying this drum all the time. I'm not picking or scapegoating Anis Hadji. The top player, he will come good, and eventually these Rangers will get a massive profit. from stop, right? But he's going through a right bad patch at this moment in time. And I'm not entirely sure that Galatasaray is the game that I would risk him eventually turning up. Uh, I, I need somebody who's going to be in there, and he's probably going to put a wee bit more work in and the tracking back as well. Um, so I, that's why it might be a Jones or an Itton, Itton for me, obviously, and that's maybe my counter-argument to that. But, yeah, it might very well stop. I, I get your point that if you're going to get him ticking, you're hoping he's going to tick against Galatasaray, but it's a tough shot.
0: Indeed. So that'll do us for for the pod this week, guys. As usual, the pod is going to be available in all the usual places, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, the other places that Tommy, Willie, and Willie Boyd and Martin speaks about regularly that I just frankly don't know about. Um, It'll be available tomorrow morning, Tuesday at 9 o'clock, 9.30ish. Willie, thanks for your time tonight. Tommy, always good to see you, my friend. Um, Good luck to the Rangers on Thursday and enjoy your week.